things that interested me about boutique hotels is that I, I, you know, they're just everywhere. They had a $10 billion market share in 2013. And 10 years later this year, they're pushing past $23 billion in market share. That's an incredible growth. And I, I've been wondering why, uh, which is what we're going to talk about today. Hi, everybody. It's No Show. I'm Matt Brown, joined as always by Jeff Borman. According to Hotel Tech Report, around 40% of US hotels are independent. This is a huge change from, you know, 35 years ago. You know, in 1990, almost two out of three hotels uh, were independent. Yeah. I mean, if you go back to to 1990 and you think about, you know, what dominates today's landscape, it's Hilton, Hyatt, Marriott, Intercon, Starwood, you know, the, the, those kind of big players, the same big players. But if you look at their scale at the time, uh, and I was with Marriott starting in the late 90s. In the late 90s, Marriott was had a goal of 2,000 hotels by the year 2000, right? They're at 8,000, 8,500 now. Uh, Hilton, I think at one point in that time frame, was the largest hotel chain at you know, 2,500 hotels. So the big boys have gained so much ground and they've gobbled up so many independents and they've planted so many new flags. You look at all the new supply that's been built. And I bet it's overwhelmingly in both the select service space, you know, your courtyards, your Hilton Garden Inns, your Hampton Inns of the world. That's where that growth has just ballooned since 1990. And it's all under branded flags. Why have the big boys come in and gobbled all these guys up? I, you know, I think it's less about gobbling up and more about uh, the development has all gone the way of the big brand uh, and the umbrella that of brands that are beneath, you know, the Marriott Hilton, Hyatt, IHGs, and Starwoods of the world. You know, since 1990, those brands have gone from upper hundreds, 500 to 1,000 hotels worldwide, to, you know, where Marriott, the behemoth today is at 8,500 hotels worldwide, Hilton, 6,500 hotels worldwide. And most of that development didn't come by gobbling up the boutiques. Uh, and that's actually kind of recent. Um, what we you saw since 1990, over the last three decades or so, is the new flags that were planted were select service brands, uh, the category killer like Courtyard and Hilton Garden Inn, Hampton Inn and Holiday Inn. Uh, those have exploded and doubled and tripled the supply of hotels in the U.S. in total. And all that growth or vast majority of that growth in 30 years has come under brands like those. Why have those brands exploded so much? That's a great question. I mean, I think if you if you consider Courtyard to be kind of that original category killer brand, right? It wasn't a luxury hotel. It was not uh, a roadside mom and pop hotel. It was the first branded uh, promise that said, uh, you're going to get a very consistent stay, part of the Marriott Rewards Program. Uh, you've got the Marriott seal of approval, but we've pulled out all the, bell, the big bells and whistles of full service hotels and luxury hotels. So uh, you remember the tagline, one of the all time great marketing taglines in this industry by the business traveler for the business traveler. And it said, hey, listen, we don't need a pool. We're business travel. You know, I don't need a full service restaurant. I just need someplace I can get breakfast. And they kind of stripped out a lot of the costs that went into operating a full service hotel and it enabled Courtyard and then all the subsequent copycat brands to run a much more affordable model and pass that price value onto a customer. Right. So I, I can still expect the same level of cleanliness and certain certain design aesthetic, 
uh, from a Marriott as I'm taking a road trip as I can if I'm staying at Marriott in downtown Houston. That's right. Or wherever. Yeah. Okay. So back to boutiques. I'm going to lay some stats on you. There are over 4,600 boutique hotels in the United States as of 2021. A boutique hotel is generally defined very generally as a high-end independent hotel with fewer than 100 rooms and a unique design style. Now, what counts as unique, I think is highly debatable, but there you go. In 2016, 25% of new hotel projects were boutique hotels. It seems like boutique hotels are less corporate. They have more personality. They're more bespoke. They're not this big, you know, um, they're not this kind of massive big box store that I'm staying in on the side of the road. They're more fun. They're at different locations. I think maybe most uh, most importantly, at least um, for a sizable chunk of boutique hotels, they lean way into the idea of the experiential. As smaller operations, it seems like they're more nimble and that they've moved more quickly than major chains into thinking about the hotel as an intersection of modern design and food and taste. And what I've noticed as we were kind of looking at the topic over the last couple of weeks is that, you know, I'm using this term boutique hotel, but lifestyle hotel is actually becoming the more vogue term for everybody to use. Everybody kind of wants to describe themselves as lifestyle because it feels bigger. Boutique feels maybe a little small. Lifestyle feels bigger. So these terms are thrown around. Like, what is a lifestyle hotel? So, I mean, I think, first of all, there's a ton of overlap. And I don't know, there's really a definition in there, but size and quality are probably the primary differentiator. Uh, there can be overlap in both. You can be you know, both a boutique and a lifestyle hotel, but uh, boutique tends to define itself with a size element, right? It has to be small. Lifestyle can be larger. Uh, I don't know that you would do a lifestyle hotel of 500 rooms, but boutique over 100, that probably doesn't work anymore. Lifestyle might be able to get to two, 300 hotels or rooms in a hotel uh, before it loses that lifestyle element, right? Uh, I mean, but you could even make a case that some Vegas hotels at you know 5,000 rooms could be, they can call themselves lifestyle if they want to. Um, I think lifestyle evokes emotion. And, and it has to be focused on an intangible experience. Uh, it tends to be trendy. Uh, so lifestyle has a chic, modern, fashionable element to it. Uh, whereas a boutique can be a, a colonial B&B or a, a homey five palapa style unit on a Mexican beach. Uh, so I think there's a distinct fashion element that has to go along with lifestyle. Let's say you're staying in the Cosmopolitan, which is owned by a massive ownership group. <laughs> People who stay at that hotel would not consider that hotel the same that they would consider a major hotel in in downtown Chicago of a of, of which had you know five hundred rooms or eight hundred rooms. The, they would they would consider their experience in the Cosmopolitan very boutique, even though it's a massive property. I, and I would not call it boutique. I don't, I don't think you can have. I think Cosmos three thousand rooms or something. Yeah, it cannot, by definition, be boutique at that size. But I would call it lifestyle. There is a lifestyle and a chic design element, whether you like it or not. I frankly don't, but it doesn't matter. My taste is irrelevant. I would call it a lifestyle hotel. I love the Cosmopolitan, and Amanda, my wife, loves the Cosmopolitan. <laughs> I know we're shameless, Jeff. Predictably, chandeliers. Yes, we're, yeah, we're tourists. We're tourists, capital T. 
predictably, like with the beer industry, you know, 20 years ago or so, actually longer than that, 30 years ago, um, you know, once a small hotel proves it can survive and thrive, the bigger chains swoop in to acquire uh, it and then add it to the portfolio, right? It's like the... It's like the old model that that you know they 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 first they ignore you, uh, then they make fun of you, then they copy you, then they buy you, and I think hotels, like any other industry that's had a kind of a startup revolution at some point, I think hotels have sort of approached uh, boutique slash lifestyle hotels the same way over the last couple of decades. Kimpton is a prime example. Everybody sees Kimpton when they're searching Expedia for hotels. They currently operate 68 hotels in about 52 cities, but it's a subsidiary. It got snapped up by IHG uh, a few years ago. And IHG is massive. They own Holiday Inn and Crown Plaza, Candlewood, Intercontinental. Yeah, it's a great example, though, right? Kimpton was an independent lifestyle hotel chain uh, based in San Francisco, sold to IHG, I don't know, early teens, maybe. But rather than buy Kempton for $400 million in 2016, Hilton instead decided to create Canopy. And because it has the power of Hilton's development engine behind it, uh, it stands at maybe 40 hotels in 10 countries and another 20 hotels in the pipeline. So it'll be as big as Kempton by its 10th year and have cost maybe $10 million to create the brand uh, rather than $400 million to buy it. Right? And pretty smart if you have the established scale like Hilton does, to make those decisions from. You know, I, I think another dis- real distinction that we should make uh, on a subject is between boutique and lifestyle is there are collection brands and soft brands. Uh, and, and these are a way that the large brand portfolios can get in on all those boutique lifestyle profits. Right. So uh, we talked about IHG that has Kimpton, which you would consider, I think, to be a lifestyle brand. Actually, it's probably one of the preeminent lifestyle brands, uh, but it is not a collection brand. Like you are a Kimpton. A Kimpton has these uh, very defined brand attributes. You know you're staying one. And if you're going to call yourself a Kimpton, you must do exactly these things. Uh, but IHG also has Hotel Indigo. And I, Hotel Indigo is more of a collection brand. The Hilton has three collection brands, LXR, Curio, and Tapestry. One for high-end, middle, and affordable price points. Marriott has the autograph collection, which was kind of a pioneer in this area among the real big players. Uh, Marriott inherited the luxury collection through the Starwood acquisition. Hyatt has, well, really some of my favorite collections. Unbound Collection and Joie de Vivre are both filled with outstanding properties. So the collection brand or soft brand then uh, kind of allows this hybrid where you get all the benefits of being a part of a Marriott or a Hilton Hyatt chain, but you still, as a hotel, you're as that hotel or as the guest of that hotel, uh, get to enjoy the uh, the unique attributes of that property, the, the look and the feel and the attitude and what made the hotel special doesn't get lost by joining the big company. To continue down that line, it's not like those collection brands are unique to the big companies. In the hotel space, Leading Hotels of the World has been a collection brand for almost 100 years. Uh, Relais and Chateau, founded just after World War II in France, let's say 500 hotels over 70 countries. Small Luxury Hotels of the World, one of my favorite collection groups. Highly meticulously chosen hotels, uh, rarely over uh, 50 rooms in a property. They have 500 hotels in 90 countries. And that sounds like big brand kind of stuff, but these are just collection groups. 
preferred hotels is probably the least and maybe least distinctive of that group. Still very high end, uh, 700 hotels worldwide. And, and then I guess <laughs> a final distinction here, if you will, uh, don't be confused by something like fine hotels and resorts, which is actually a travel agency run by American Express for their platinum, platinum card members. Uh, it's not a brand at all. It's not a collection group. Uh, it's just a high-end agency that curates really high-quality luxury hotels for their high-end clients. I had no idea. That's very clever, American Express. Very clever. Hmm. It's sort of like when, is it Anheuser-Busch or whoever, somebody bought Goose Island? Like going back to the beer thing for a minute. Oh, yeah, Goose Island. It's an independent brewery from Chicago. The 312. Yeah, I love it. And it's like, nope, you're drinking drinking the corporation, man. So after such an amazing period of growth, what do they have to manage in the coming years? The challenge for boutiques is really probably the same. And that is how to be profitable without all the advantages afforded to the large collection brands at Megascale. Uh, Arnie Sorensen, the late great CEO and industry icon, he said that on a day a hotel turns from an independent to an autograph, the roll of toilet paper is the same, but it costs half as much. And, and this logic goes through all uh, the physical products that hotels have to buy to the distribution terms that they benefit from. You know, a company offering an OTA or a sales intermediary access to its thousands of properties and uh, dozens of brands is going to negotiate better terms for the hotel than a boutique 85 room hotel in the Bowery that's run by Matt Brown. So as I, you know, I guess, what challenges do the boutiques face today? How do they resist the lure of all those cost savings that come with joining a big portfolio brand or, or soft brand? And, and But doing so comes with the risk of diluting the independent spirit that made them such an attractive property in the first place. And that's the conundrum they all face. When you open the Hotel Brown, you will face that conundrum because everything you imagine doing as a private hotelier, you will then think, but I could triple my profit if, and what choice do you make? And you mentioned the beer parallel a few different times. I think they were. Uh, when Anheuser-Busch bought Red Hook, Red Hook fans ditched it. Uh, same for Sam Adams. Uh, I, most recently, uh, maybe a year or two ago, uh, fans of Dogfish Head in Rehoboth, Delaware, felt that same kind of loss because the, the founder, Sam Calagione, uh, he built, and some would say, the entire craft beer industry, uh, but it, particularly his brand on the idea and the tagline of being a little off-center. Well, Sam, now that you're part of the Boston Beer Company, can you really still be a little off-center? And they say they can be, but you know, I think even if they do the best job possible, that's not possible. Tell us all his time. Just as a quick side note here, I'm not sure if we'll use this in the episode, but have you ever stayed at a graduate hotel? I think they've done a really good job. It's incredible design. We had never, I'd never heard of it until like a year ago, even though I think they've been around for eight years, 10 years, something like that. Yeah, that feels about right. And I think uh, there's a the hotel management company out of Louisville, Kentucky that runs all of them. Uh, privately owned brand. Uh, I believe they own all the properties themselves. So very easy to control the product uh, and service. And one of the things I love about it from the very beginning was uh, the niche market of putting them in like you know, college towns. It's the kind of brand that has figured out this is what that market wants. Uh, you can put a 
big branded hotel or a small branded hotel or a bunch of boutique hotels, they figured out that what do you want in a college town? You want a really big bar. You know, you you want the kind of place where late checkout is going. They're going to say yes to late checkouts. Yes. Uh, they've got it down there. I love that brand. I Yeah. So I'd never heard of it. Uh, Amanda and I stayed in one in uh, last year in Knoxville. We were visiting my friend, Andy, who's a professor at University of Tennessee. And, you know, okay, what's the closest, easiest hotel that will work here? And it's a graduate hotel. Oh, it's University of Tennessee themed, which was a little bit of a pill. I I went to the University of Georgia, and I don't typically get up into these SEC rivalries, but I think the idea of just living and breathing in the giant temple to University of Tennessee was like, all right, let's let's just gut our way through this. I was thoroughly charmed. <laughs> thoroughly charmed. I mean, you got to get ready for a lot of Peyton Manning photos looking at you, and a lot of orange, but. The design touches they did were just tremendous, and you know, they've now extended it. You know, they're, they're really doing a lot of collegiate stuff. There's one at, at uh, uh, near the campus of Brown University now. It's Ivy via Disney in the way that it's executed, but it, it gives you that kind of high, high gloss of of mm-hmm. Ivy uh, design. And then they're starting to do kind of movie culture rooms. Like there's one near Evanston that has a home alone room. There's one in Indiana that has a Stranger Things themed room. So I, whoever's doing the the design, maybe we need to call that person up and get them on the show because I, I really like to, to talk to the that. firm who who did these. It's it, it's got to be so much fun to have the freedom to go out and and, and do that. Um, you want to hear my idea? I got an idea. Let's do it. I have a theory. I think more brands are going to get into the game. We were searching for Catskills hotels the other day uh, because we're masochist. And, you know, I think uh, coming in 2023, we're going to do a whole episode on the resurgence of the Catskills and um, just how interesting that environment has been historically and how interesting it is now. And I think the resurgence of that area has been led by boutique hotels. And we were searching around and uh, we found this hotel called, uh, let me see if I can get the pronunciation correctly, Piaul, P-I-A-U-L-E. And they have a bunch of cabins. Vogue calls it the ultimate modern getaway. And uh, they've been written up at a ton of those kinds of magazines. I I have to say, you know, your bullshit meter goes off a little bit uh, when you read that kind of stuff and it comes up in search. It is stunning. And it's a quote-unquote landscape hotel, which features linens and bath products made by the company that owns the, the hotel. It got me thinking, why haven't we seen, and I think we will be seeing, more brands, especially lifestyle or outdoor brands, get into the game? Especially if you're an REI or backcountry or like a Goop or Goop wannabe, why not start a little boutique hotel somewhere, California, New York? Nantucket. It's a marketing expense. It's definitely going to be a loss leader. And it doesn't have to be a huge part of your company's bottom line. But you could create demand for your products and create like a little, uh, create some scarcity there. It's like, oh yeah, it's this it's this place. You have to go stay at this place because the, the brand's taking it over. The rooms are so cool. They do these outbound adventures and you got to go check it out. What do you think? Are you invested? Have I sold you on it? Pretend you're a venture capitalist I've just presented to you. 
Where's my, give me $10 million. I'm probably going to keep my 10 million. Oh, Jeff. Uh, but here, but here's what I would here's where I would twist it though. Okay. Uh, lamping is is one that I think is very similar. Is it a fad uh, or is it here to stay? I don't know. Uh, but you know, a company like Hipcamp, uh, I would invest in that. Uh, be, and here because I think the cost is so low, I tend to think that the marketplace is going to go in two directions: the real low and the real high. If you can put up a tent that is almost like the courtyard idea as we described at the top of the show, right? Uh, it has been given a stamp of approval by somebody you trust, by an organization who says, you know, your tent's been put up for you. The sleeping bag's clean. It doesn't have holes in the tent. You know, like, this is pretty good. And then you can move up the chain all the way to, you know, the Four Seasons Tented Camp, which is, you know, the nicest hotel I've ever stayed in in my life in the Golden Triangle in Northern Thailand. It has nothing to do with glamping except technically it's a tent, right? It's a, it's a palace under canvas. Uh, under canvas, by the way, another one to look up. So I think that market touches what you're what you're aiming at. But what I what I heard, you know, as a you know, am I going to stroke a check for it uh, on your idea that gives me concern is you actually have to build something, and the margins aren't going to be very good. Because people don't pay that much for what you described. Your rates are going to be low. It's going to take you forever to pay off all that construction. You're going to be running water pipes for a mile and a half just to get to your location. Like The utilities and the infrastructure alone to create what you just described, if it doesn't exist, creating it would be too much of a cost prohibitive thing to ever get it off the ground. What if I made a really nice keynote presentation? Could I get you $10 million? <laughs> it helps sell everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on that tonight. Uh, one of these days, everybody, I'm going to get Jeff's $10 million. Every episode, I ask Jeff a mystery question. He has not heard this question. Jeff, give me a boutique hotel to uh, stay in. Or a lifestyle hotel. Morgan's Hotels, right in your backyard. Even if you the design doesn't appeal to you, they are a visual feast. I'm curious why you think the design wouldn't appeal to me. Please extrapolate. Um, eclectic. <laughs> I'm eclectic. You are eclectic. That's right. It, actually, it probably does appeal to you personally. I'm thinking the you, the greater, the proverbial you, the big you out sure. there in, in cyberspace. I think uh, I love that brand uh, just because it is so visually entertaining uh, that I don't think you can stay in any of those hotels and not just walk around Every little place, every little, you know, even, you know, little nooks in the hotel, you know, a part of the building that used to be a telephone booth, you know, their designers have made that somehow a really interesting feature, uh, you know, of that space, uh, in that space. Uh, 21C is a small boutique brand that I love uh, just because it embraces local artists. That sounds rather cliche right now uh, on a subject of boutique hotels, but I think there are pioneers in that area where they really take sculpture and works on canvas and make them the forefront of the hotel. It's why you go. I love that about that brand, and I really haven't seen anybody that's been able to really replicate that. Jeff, thank you so much, as always. This has been great, and I will talk to you very, very soon. Always fun, man. 